0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
1: Oh, wow. In your life have you seen anything like
0: that? Okay, so that was the trivia question to send you and three friends out for a day of golf at Edmonton Springs Golf. Who was that doing the play-by-play on Tiger's chip-in in in the final round of the 2005 Masters on the par 3 16th hole? Trevor got the answer during the news. Vern Lundquist with the call, the great Vern Lundquist. After uh, we had four or five failed attempts, somebody even guessed Brian Hall. The Jim Nance guess was good because Nance would have been on that broadcast, but he didn't call that hole. So what have I learned today? I have learned that I am inherently evil. I wasn't swayed to the dark side. I was born into the dark side. I wasn't corrupted by a Sith Lord. I was born that way. And that evil means that sometimes I ask overly difficult trivia questions to people live on the radio. That's my fatal flaw. That's how my evil manifests itself. Now, yes, it is evil but there are worse ways to be evil. So I'm going to come up with a far easier golf trivia question tomorrow because I, I, here's the thing. I do feel bad when someone calls in and they don't know. I, I really do. Cause I, I want people to have fun and not feel bad. I want this show to be a happy place, but remember evil. So things happen that are evil. Um, so I'll come up with an easier question tomorrow. That hopefully somebody can get the the first caller uh, can get or or at least won't stump that many people. Now it's again not going to be easy because, like I said, inherently evil and it manifests itself. Because we used to do this, we used to do this more often before the pandemic. We haven't had trivia until today since the pandemic started, because like I said, people couldn't come to the station and pick up prizes and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, tomorrow we'll do it again. Hopefully, easier question and more happiness for everybody, the 14 people that listen to Inside Sports. 780-496-0063 to call or text. I do appreciate the people who texted in Vern Lundquist on the text line. You got it right. Somebody did write in uh, Bob Barker. That was not correct. Uh, Robin Capilano channeling Mike Lang, who says you slapped everyone's grandma with that trivia question. That was actually brilliant. I went to look it up to no avail. LOL, Robin Capilano who's texted in twice tonight. Rob's a busy guy. All right, we're going to go to the CertainTeed Hotline, professional-grade building materials. Oh, this is fun. Wow, I'm excited. Talk about making this a happy show. Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic is on the line. Hello, Mr. Fitzgerald.
1: I wouldn't have got that trivia question either. Um, really? This, this isn't a happy show. Yeah, no, There's, I, I was going through a whole bunch of different voices and I head. no, I wouldn't have got that either. But you know what? Uh, it's going to be so hot. I don't know if I could have made it through a full 18 anyway. And, like, nobody needs to – I mean, I'd be, I'd be spraying about 110 balls around northern Alberta there uh, with my game anyway. So, you know what? It's probably all for the best.
0: You'd be, you'd be trying to golf along the Yellowhead Highway and just you're in the ditch the entire time. It'd I'm, be I'm sorry, buddy.
1: Yeah. No, uh, I'd, I'd bring shame on my, my family name, on the sport of golf, um, on Edmonton. It'd be awful.
0: Uh, all right. But were, were you doing some, like, you You are such a well-rounded individual. You're an exceptional uh, writer, and I understand you're also an exceptional coach. What, what are you coaching tonight?
1: Yeah, no, it's funny that you have me on now. Like, it's just becoming a parade of sadness. Uh, we had the, the U10 House League Boys soccer team out there tonight, and uh, we had good attendance for the middle of summer. But I, I am very sad to report uh, that we lost 10-2. Uh, to two. In soccer, which is really difficult, and it really goes to show that you know, no matter how exceptional the coaching, uh, coaching can only take you so far.
0: <laughs> coaching can only make a level of, of uh, a difference of one level. Like it can make I mean, a fair it, it team could, it good, but it can't make a fair team great.
1: If it wasn't for the great coaching, that easily could have been 12 nothing, not just 10. <laughs> so this two. was.
0: This was you, ten. Is this your, uh, I, I can't this remember. Is, what this was.
1: is our eldest. Yeah, this is our eldest. Uh, if it was our youngest, she would have been out there spikes up. Uh, I'd still be, I wouldn't be able to be on this call because we'd be filling out game reports. It'd be ugly. But no, uh, he took it on the chin for sure.
0: All right. Well, there's always a next game. Well, I hope. Maybe this was the end of the year. Yeah, no,
1: I wish. No, we, we're only halfway through now. This uh, is uh, this is rough. I mean, we're playing for the draft lottery at this point. Um, you know, you we'll did. just hope the, the tennis balls bounce our way. The, the, this the ping is which, pong balls go our way.
0: This is which of the under-8-year-old players you get to
1: draft next year, right? Yeah, no, I sent a note out to my scouts. I'm like, we got to start working this harder, guys. It was <laughs> it was awful. I mean, nothing nothing right. Like, you know, they're, some of them are given 110%. Some of them, eh, about 90%. It's just nothing worked right, you know? So, we got to gotta go back in the film room. Um, you know, we'll cut out snack time and uh, just focus on getting back to basics. That's U10 soccer, right? Like, you got to get back to basics. Yeah, no more Maybe slices. we'll cut it down. Stay at least focused. cut it down to 9 3. We got to lose at least, you know, we'll cut it down to 9 3 next game and just sort of start chipping our way back to respectability.
0: Work on the goal differential. All right. Well, I'm glad, despite. Of you being despondent from the loss that you were able to uh, hop on tonight after 9 p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone. Thanks a lot we were, for doing it this. It
1: was great coaching, poor execution, right? So I mean, you know, not more, much, not much more I can say without getting fined by the league.
0: <laughs> yeah, there we go. Because we know the U10 Toronto House League officials are monitoring Inside Sports in Edmonton. That's how head wide range offices every,
1: head offices everywhere, man. Head offices everywhere. They slap those signs. It's crazy. So I got to be careful with my media interviews. I know we, we usually like to speak and be open and honest here. I just just got to be careful. All I
0: right. appreciate it. Well, me. let's we'll we'll transition to the uh, to the Olympics. And, and, and soccer was one of the awesome stories for Canada. Bronze, bronze change the color was their motto this year well they got the best possible color in extremely dramatic fashion i i had uh i talked to ryan wilkinson and janine helen last week after the gold medal victory a couple of former players on the team and i you know i asked mm-hmm. them the penalty kicks and how Labe's smiling on the line and and it's, uh, it's just like nobody nobody likes penalty kicks unless your team wins then they're cool because you survived
1: You know what the really neat thing is? I mean, if we're looking at this holistically, and I think at this point, I mean, we've all seen the highlights. You know, 4.4 million of us watched penalties. So enough of us know the result. So taking a step back and looking at this holistically, one of the really interesting things for me is that, I mean, this program really only got started, like started, started in the middle 80s. But it really started the forward progress towards this in 2002 in Edmonton, right? Like that was where Christine Sinclair and, you know, the very early beginnings of that golden generation that brought us here, uh, that's where they started playing in front of huge crowds of Commonwealth. Remember that? Are you old enough to remember that, 2002? Yeah, like... And, and it started there, and it was incremental steps. I mean, there are big steps back. There were coaching changes. Um, but, like, you know, once John Herdman came in and, these, you know, those names, especially the ones you just mentioned, you know, they, they started picking up more and more wins. Like, I was, I was lucky enough to be there um, in 2011 in Guadalajara, Mexico, for the um, Pan American Games. And I believe Christine Sinclair scored the winner. They won the Pan American Games, a gold medal. And I mean, you know, there's a pretty decent field there, Um, but they won. And, you know, nobody was super excited because they're all looking ahead to the next year. And, of course, in 2012, I mean, that was, you know, people are still calling that one of the greatest games um, we'll ever see or have ever seen, certainly between Canada and the United States. So looking at that progression and when people talk about, you know, following a plan or, you know, believe in the process, like it's not linear. Like there are steps backwards they're steps sideways. And then you take the jumps and yeah, bronze, bronze gold. Like there, it seems linear, but it's absolutely
0: not. Well, that's a great way to put it. And, and you know, the one thing Sean that both Rianne and Janine said on Friday, and I think I saw a clip from or a quote from Sinclair online. You'll correct me if I'm wrong over the uh, today or yesterday that now, How do you keep it going? And uh, the two women I talked to last week said Canada needs a domestic women's name, league, a domestic women's league, and and much easier said than done because we know how many men's leagues in this country have come and gone. The CPL, uh, you know, is, is doing okay through the, the pandemic obviously they kind of got derailed like like a lot of leagues so so we'll see if that's possible where we can actually take advantage of this quote-unquote golden generation and set up something where we can develop our own players it's always been tough in Canada outside of hockey hasn't it
1: well even in hockey we failed um you know corporate Canada um the NHL failed the CWHL which was excellent level hockey, Olympians, like, you know, fresh off the podium coming back and playing in local rinks, um, like great high-level hockey, and it's no longer around. So, yeah, no, there's, there's huge issues on the professional level. And, you know, the MLS, um, you know, I, I'd honestly like to see the MLS and the NHL step up and follow a model closer to, you know, a relationship between the NBA and WNBA. I, I think it's, resp- one – um, it, it's morally correct, but two, I honestly think it makes really good business sense because you're that's 50 like percent of the population and more than that. You know, in Canada especially, um, you know, we're seeing the growth in you know girls and young women's hockey in registration, while the boys are flatlining um, in terms of you know grassroots registration. Um, you take a look at the fact that there are 800,000 give or take kids playing uh, youth soccer in this country. Um, you know, from a purely business perspective. I mean, just take a look at the size of that market. Um, It has to work. Now, that being said, it's very easy for me sitting here with a Bachelor of Applied Arts, um, you know, talking to something that maybe should be discussed by people with MBAs and, you know, certainly more zeros after their paycheck than mine. But, I mean, just to look at the raw numbers, it has to make sense on some way, some shape, some form.
0: Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic joining us at Inside Sports as we put a wrap on what was overall a very successful Olympics for Canada. As, as I mentioned earlier, Sean, before you're on, our best performance at a Summer Olympics that didn't include a major boycott with 24 medals. We had 44 in 1984 when the Soviet Union and other Eastern Bloc countries did not participate. We had 22 in 16 and in 1996. So we get to 24 medals. I, I'll just kind of ask you this. any uh, Any story that is sort of significant for you outside of soccer we just i mean degrasse warner uh the first week was all about canadian women um winning all the medals we had kelsey mitchell another local angle here in edmonton with with the cycling what else are you going to really remember from these games if you and i are doing this 20 years from now and looking back
1: oh god you know there's there's I love the Olympics. Like, that's flat out my full disclosure, right? Like, I've been lucky enough to get to get to two. I, I, I was in London for 2012 uh, for post-media, and I was in Sochi in 2014 for post-media. And with any kind of luck, I'm going to figure out a way to weasel my way back in, um, you know, down the line. They are fantastic. And let me put that caveat in that everything around the Olympics, the politics, the money, the billions of dollars spent on baubles that we may or may not need in terms of stadiums and infrastructure for sports when other infrastructure projects should certainly take precedent. Everything around the Olympics is bad except for the kids, except for those athletes who go in there and just remind us every time that the Olympics are magical. Like you remember um, in in High Jump, uh, the Italian and the Qatari uh, athlete who tied after their final misses, and they, you know, gathered with the official, and the official said, well, how would you like to conduct the the jump off to decide who gets the gold medal? And in that moment, they, you know, with a nod, agreed to share the gold medal. Like, that's one of those moments that you're going to remember forever, right? Like, it's, right. it's up there with, like, you know, Daniela Galley, the wrestler um, who won in Sydney. And, you know, um, with that giant Canadian flag on the mat, it's Simon Whitfield charging back. It's uh, Mary Philippe Pernay, uh coming back and, and pulling Canada past uh, the U.S. in Russia. It's, I mean, Jana Hefford. Um, overcoming, you know, what seemed like 14 straight calls against Team Canada by the American referee in the gold medal game against the United States to pull off that win in 2002. Like, there are moments that you're going to remember forever. Um, and I think that you know, these Olympics, despite all of their limitations, despite the fact that there are no fans in the stands, despite the fact that you know the majority of the host uh, nation didn't want the games for very good reasons. The fact we're still in a global pandemic. The fact that In spite of all of this, the athletes and not just the Canadians who were obviously spectacular in so many ways, but that they pulled this off, um, the athletes, I mean, um, is just remarkable because there are moments that you're going to remember forever watching a games where nobody could be in the stands to see them live.
0: Yeah, well said. Uh, Well said. And uh, that's a really good perspective, Sean. So you, you have brought the happiness and the positive energy. Now I have to release you from your guest duties so you can stay up all night watching film of U10 soccer and figuring out what went wrong.
1: You got to do the work. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) That is Sean Fitzgerald checking in sports columnist with The Athletic. Wrote some great stuff throughout the Olympics. It's always a blast to have him on the show and and a really good perspective from him uh, on the Olympics on the Canadian women's soccer team and some other big stories as well and just why he enjoyed the games. All right. You, of course, can get in touch at 780-496-0063. Got a couple of texts about the uh, Elks' loss on Saturday that came in that I want to get to between seven 30 and eight. We will catch up with Oilers goaltending prospect, Stuart Skinner, who signed a new contract over the weekend. This is inside sports on Chet. Peter from Wainwright says he once had a U11 soccer team that uh, struggled, and their whole goal was to win a game by the end of the year. They did win the game against the parents, and he says, A win is a win. Ha ha ha. Thank you for sharing that story, Peter. L. Nate writes in. He says, On Trevor Harris, on the chop block play, that's a big underthrow there. When a receiver has five yards and is over the top, he should never be slowing down to make that catch. On the pick, it was the exact same play. Ottawa gave him the same look but dropped the safety over, which totally fueled Harris. And again, the pass was an underthrow, which allowed the pick to be relatively easy. Last drive of the game was check down City, which killed the clock. Didn't like the game from Harris, but I realize it's one week after a long layoff. Uh, I think that's all fair, Nate. L. Nate, pardon me. I think that uh, we've seen Trevor Harris uh, play better. And uh, hopefully he will be able to. And uh, yeah, a couple of those deep balls probably needed an extra two to three yards on those to get them over top of the defender. Cowtown Bob says it was very great to see the return of the CFL over the weekend. Have your commentators lost their objectivity over the pandemic or have I become more hardened? On Saturday night, I saw our QB throw three interceptions and score no touchdowns and lose the game. He was correct when he took 100% credit for the loss. Your commentators thought Harris was being too hard on himself, but if we see another game with no TDs and three interceptions, we should be asking who's up next. Harris had not has not won anything yet, and we pay him a lot of money to win games. We should all be demanding better. Uh, as for your original question, Cowtown Bob, I think you have become more hardened. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, Harris could have played better, absolutely. And uh, I think the whole offense, though, is probably feeling that way as well. But the quarterback takes a lot of the heat. That's uh, that's just how it goes. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. To me, it just looked like the, the the timing was off on the audience or on the audience on the offense, and they they needed to push the ball in my mind to that medium range a little bit more, and they weren't able to get it there. It's hard to say if that's the coverage, if that's just Harris, if that's the receivers, maybe not recognizing the spots. That they, that they had to go to, but clearly something for the Elks to work on for Saturday. Stuart Skinner.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy
0: price price line or goaltending prospect when we get back thanks a lot for tuning in tonight at jack michaels on the show talking about mike lang the great play-by-play voice of the pittsburgh penguins since 1974 who's going to step away from calling the games for the penguins i believe he's still going to be part of their broadcasts but no more play-by-play for mike lang uh, man what a career Uh, what a career for the penguins got to call what five stanley cups two in the lemieux era three more in the crosby era and just a a legendary play-by-play voice and jack made a good point he's known for the scratch my back with a hacksaw and take your paw to arkansas or whatever it is but uh, a great wit and excellent at calling games Uh, i mean you don't reach the nhl just by having funny phrases alone so awesome for uh, Jack to give us some perspective there on uh, Mike Lang. Blake Dermott broke down the Elks loss. Uh, That was a tough one Saturday night. We'll see what they can do against Montreal. I I know they got yards. I, I know yards often lead to points, but I would sooner just take the points. You got to find a way to get the points. And, uh, you know, again, like we were talking about Harris, maybe a little bit off. You had a couple of drops by receivers. I mean, the, the the pick six by Ottawa was the throw where Harris needed to put it. No, but was the uh, did the receiver Shai Ross have his hands on it and need to come up with it? Well, yes. So I think mistakes all around on that play. We talked about the David Beard chop block that negated a long gain. Uh, Nate the texture wrote in about a couple of long throws that were a little bit underthrown, and it all added up to a, a loss for the Elks as they returned to action. Kind of an interesting weekend in the Canadian Football League. It, it started with that game between Hamilton and Winnipeg, the Great Cup rematch, that looked like it was going to be a high-scoring one, and then... The offense is bogged down into the second half. Winnipeg wins 19-6. To me, the most interesting game of the weekend was the Saskatchewan-BC game, which wound up 33-29 for Saskatchewan, and they absolutely stormed out of the game. I mean, I think they were up 31-0. Mike Riley doesn't start the game for BC. sorry, uh, Sorry, Michael Riley doesn't start the game for BC, even though he was supposed to. He comes in for the second half. BC catches up not all the way and they're within 10 points. And then he's out of the game again. And a lot of debate there about how BC handled that. And, you know, should have they been more transparent? Why was Michael going in all that kind of stuff? And, and BC has the, uh, the global kicker, the Japanese kicker, first ever Japanese player to score points in the CFL, Uh, which is cool, but all in all, he didn't have a good night. I mean, he missed an extra point. He missed a couple of field goals and BC, despite being throttled for most of the first half, loses the game by four. Now, I don't know how many people watched that game to the end because I think if you didn't have a horse in that race, it's it, it looked like it was going to be over at halftime. It wasn't a back-and-forth game. Toronto-Calgary, pretty tight most of the way. I didn't get to see the end of it because I went over to Commonwealth, but I saw the highlights later. And Toronto, led by some former Stampeders, able to pull that out by uh, the score of 23-20. So, you know, maybe the Eastern team's a little bit better than uh, we expected than in recent years. Pardon me, but uh, once again, the four teams that were home this past weekend are going to be home again this weekend. Thursday, Calgary's home to BC. Friday, Winnipeg's home to Toronto. Saturday, Elks home to the Alouettes at 5. Our coverage on 6.30, shed. We'll start at 3.30, and uh, the late one on Saturday, Hamilton at Saskatchewan. The Rough Riders start with four consecutive home games, by the way. Leonard says, Reed, why is it Michael Riley now? Still haven't heard. Uh, Yeah, that's been out there, uh, Leonard. If you've missed it being mentioned before, Michael's uh, mother passed away, unfortunately, in the offseason, and she called him Michael, and he said, well, that's actually my given name, and that's what my mom called me, and kind of wanted other people to call me that, so I'm going to be Michael now. So the quarterback who was uh, Mike Riley for most of his CFL career says, hey, you know what? Uh, To honor my mom, I want to be Michael Riley from now on. So that's why we're going with Michael Riley. And I felt bad. I slipped up there a few minutes ago. But uh, we're going to try to do that right throughout the season Michael Riley of the BC Lions who will play Calgary on uh, Thursday a couple of winless teams might be a tough season for Michael Riley and the BC Lions it was uh, it was it was good to be back in Commonwealth Stadium I, I mean uh, for if you're listening to a sports show you've probably missed live sports over the past uh, year and a bit there have been sports on television which is still how I think most of us consume it uh, We we got the NFL we've had NBA but you know, you couldn't go to an Oilers game. Golden Bears and Pandas didn't play. Elks didn't play at all last season. So uh, fans were in the stadium. They announced an attendance of just over 30,000 for that game. They unveiled the new mascot, which I actually like. If, like. if you listen to this show, you know I'm not big with the peripheral stuff at a sporting event, especially the Superdogs. I don't go for the halftime show. I, I don't go for... The uh, the Tim Horton shuffle, I think it's called now. It used to be the Boston Pizza Shuffle. I, I don't go for the Chris Sheets strip tease or whatever he does between plays. I don't go for any of that. But I didn't mind that mascot. I, I didn't mind Spike the Elk. Maybe I'm softening in my old age. Maybe I'm becoming less evil as I get older, but I didn't mind Spike the mascot. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Or or maybe I just or maybe I'm just at the point where it's a mascot it's generally for kids why should i really have an opinion on it why should i tell people oh, i hate the mascot it's stupid the mascot is not aimed at me so <laughs> so I, I, if they got a mascot and it's uh, it's good enough for the kids and to have fun and interact okay that's part of the show speaking of the halftime show for those of you at the game i'm sorry you had to see me on the jumbotron I'm sure that was alarming for a lot of people, uh, A, just to see me in any form, but also that size. I found it a little uncomfortable, but with the COVID protocols, they can't do this, the same type of stuff they usually did on the field. If you noticed at the game, the cheerleaders did not go onto the field. They cheered from the, the well, it's not a track anymore, but they cheered from along the, uh, the side of the field and they played a video of them performing a dance and then also there was no halftime show. So last uh, I think it was last Wednesday afternoon I went to Commonwealth and I recorded a panel with the Giz with Ryan King and Rod Connup who came on the show on Thursday night and uh we told some stories. It, 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 we had more material than was uh than was shown on the screen and they did a great job editing it to the to the good parts and putting over highlights and all that type of stuff. So that's why uh, instead of an interesting halftime show. Now, again, I think a video of me interviewing a rock would be more inter- interesting than the Super Dogs. But if you're expecting something spectacular at halftime show and you're like, why is this guy who hosts a show with 14 listener, uh, listeners? 14 lizards would be interesting as well, by the way. so <laughs> we should get. The show with 14 listeners and 14 lizards. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chet. Um, if you were thinking, why is this? Why is this really odd-looking middle-aged man that I don't want to look at on the big screen? uh That's why, because they can't do a traditional pageantry halftime show. I, I, maybe they, they can by the end of the season. I don't know what's happening this Saturday. I have not been asked to do another panel. I wonder why there were probably too many complaints about the quality of this one, or at least my participation in it. So that's why that happened, but it, it was great to be back in the stadium. And, uh, you know, hopefully a better game Saturday, maybe a little more uh, explosion from the uh, Elks offense. The defense was great. I mean, we heard a lot in the camp. Well, the D line, the D line, the D, the D line was spectacular. Botang was awesome. Moore got in there for a couple of sacks. I guess we didn't hear as much from Betts, but I think he played as well in, in the other uh, rush end position. So that that was encouraging. And now Ottawa maybe is not the best offense in the league, but still they pretty much shut them down. I think Ottawa had one drive where they got deep into uh, auto, into Edmonton territory. Other than that, they didn't have a lot going. And as Blake mentioned, 71 yards passing, and they still were able to win the game on a pick six. So uh, anyway, back at it on Saturday. All right, uh, we're going to call a quick timeout, and we'll uh, touch base with the Edmonton Wildcats when we get back. Texter says, I'm proud to be your 15th listener. We'll reach 20 by the end of the year. Got to have reasonable goals. Maybe we can add one a month. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. If you're calling, it's on the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. We're going to go there now, and welcome back to the show. And man, oh, man, am I happy to talk to this guy because of everything going on last season. We didn't really get to talk any football with him. It was just all about cancellations and things not happening. Darcy Park is on the line, the head coach of the Edmonton Wildcats. Darcy, how are you doing, man? I'm great, Reed. How about yourself? good am i getting you in the middle of practice again
2: (laughs) we are yeah we're just going into a special team circuit so i i ducked out a little bit so uh, it's all good it's just like you said it's just great to be back on the field
0: yeah okay well uh, thanks for this i didn't realize we'd get you right in the middle of practice but i I do appreciate you doing this and we're not just randomly uh talking about the wildcats there there is news today you guys uh, have a new home can you kind of give us the details about this
2: yeah, it's been something that has kind of been on the works for a couple of years. Um, Emerald Hills out in uh, Strathcona County, when they were building it, uh, approached us and and we, uh, you know, started the communication back then. And then obviously with the pandemic and, and, and coming back, uh, you know, we were having uh, some troubles just getting uh, availability for, for Clark or J.P. and some of the other stuff and ended up revisiting back with Strathcona. And to be honest with you, our board, uh, did a great job of, of working with them, and, and, and their staff over there were awesome. So uh, it really became quite clear that uh, you know going to a place that you're wanted to wanted, and, and they they want to help grow our you know our program and and build that area. It was just a no-brainer.
0: Okay, because what's been the situation? It, the, is the the practice has been at Rundle, and the games have been at Clark? Is that right? Yeah, that's uh, you know since
2: 1995 when we moved down to Rundle. Our games have been at uh, Clark and obviously uh, once FC Edmonton uh, took over uh, as kind of the primary tenant, uh, you know, it was really hard to get any kind of dates and any dates released would be really late. And, and obviously, you know, we're a we're a national league and we've got to schedule and deal with CFL teams uh, in Winnipeg and Calgary and Regina and then, you know, to book our schedule and it, it seemed like it was always... Uh, the Edmonton teams that were kind of holding up scheduling because we couldn't get our dates for Clark Clark. so um, you know what we're excited Uh, I know that uh, JP has been renovated and that was an option but for us it just uh, like I said it made sense uh, you know the board made a decision uh, to be able to kind of make that decision to to run our home games at Insure Park and then obviously it's seven minutes from our clubhouse so uh, again we could be happier.
0: Okay, so, so sorry, is the clubhouse staying at Rundle? Yeah, for right now, I mean, we're still okay. kind of, this is all just new. Um,
2: you know, right. there, there's there's talks about uh, permanently moving, but again, that's at a higher level than mine, that's for sure. Um, you know, obviously, situation where we are right now is still pretty good, but um, at, at some point, the board will have to make a decision on on whether we make uh, Shurt Park our, our permanent home for, for practices and uh,
0: games okay so uh emerald hills for you guys uh, I'm just checking the league schedule right now looks like the huskies are going to be playing their home games at the JP Bowl so I know people like the uh the all Edmonton game so that's where they're gonna to have to go and you guys uh, will have a game against the huskies at Emerald Hills Park on august 28th maybe a silly question but I feel like I need to ask this what surface are you playing on there what kind of surface
2: well they've got a great field turf. it's it's actually you know what it's it's a it's a newer stadium that was built within the last five years and uh, you know, with my uh, time with Football Alberta, we've been running some camps out there as well, uh, so again, it's 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 a beautiful stadium for, for us, uh, you know, seating capacity, it's going to be, when it's full, it's just going to be an unreal environment and then maybe when we have some smaller crowds with uh, the, the out-of-town teams from Winnipeg, it's still going to be a great atmosphere just because of uh, the way that it's set up, so, you know, again, we're super excited for that, and then again, to, we've always had a strong connection with Sure Park, if you go back to some of our great players if you go to ryan king and neil king you know tyler Brodinski's and and brock dermonts and stuff we've had a strong connection with shirt park so we, we think that that's going to be an opportunity to again just build entrench ourselves in that community
0: all right so what happened with players eligibility with having no games last year did some guys lose their final seasons did they get an extension what happened there darcy
2: yeah, they, they gave the year uh, players who were registered for 2020 uh, and played 2019, uh, the fourth and fifth-year guys each got a year uh, added on. So, yeah, we've got some 23-year-olds this year. And, again, the biggest thing was, uh, you know, allowing those kids to kind of to finish off their football careers. They've committed, you know, three to four years into programs, and, and uh, the league made a great call in, in giving them that. The young kids, again, they're going to lose a, a year but, uh, you know, they, they understand that that's the situation. It's not just getting taken away from them. So, uh, you know, what we're again, it's uh, I think it's the best situation that, that the league could have done to, to ensure that everyone had a chance to, to play the game they love.
0: Okay. Darcy Park from the Edmonton Wildcats, head coach of the team, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. They are going to be playing their home games at Emerald, Emerald Hills Park in Sherwood Park this season, telling you a little bit about that facility. Yeah. Um, I know for coaches, sometimes it's hard to know what to expect from your team. Is that an extra, even larger obstacle this year because you because you don't have any anything to go off from last season?
2: Yeah, we were talking about it. It's kind of like when you have that player who has to miss a whole year from injury. You're not sure, you know, what he's going to be like when he returns. Um, you know, we were we had the ability to run some stuff, uh, you know, at the end of 2020 in March and April before we got shut down again. Um, so we kind of get kept some of the guys going. But, yeah, I think we're all, you know, all the teams are in the same boat where uh, we're, you know, we're, we're starting slow with our camp. We're, you know, just trying to get guys back into, you know, movements and, and not doing a lot of, of contact. We want to keep them healthy and progress into uh, our season uh, so that we can maintain our health.
0: Okay. And what's, uh, any, any changes in the league, or do you still have the same teams and uh, I, I think the, Playoff format might be a little different if I'm looking at this right, but how's the how's the state of the league here?
2: Yeah, no, it, it was good. Again, one of the decisions again they made at the executive level was um, they they put in an extra bye week, and basically what that's for is again we know that we're COVIDs we're not out of COVID, and and some players may have to uh, you know miss games or teams may lose a bunch of guys, so uh, the league kind of decided that uh, the regular season you know. Uh, we'll count for standings. The first and second place team will get a bye. And then two plays, six, and uh, or the, the other four teams will play off to get into the semifinals. So every team's going to make the playoffs. And basically, they didn't want a, a forfeit or a, a game that a team had to, to cancel cost them a playoff spot. So again, that puts you in a little different mindset because it's not usually, you know, every game is so important right out of the, the gate. Now, again, you can get more players on your roster involved and do some evaluating and and do some really te- real real good teaching as you move through the season
0: are, are you guys and look i know it's the junior level so like there's not a huge amount of money and stuff is is there testing is there bubbles like how what i mean kids these guys got to go to school and work and all this stuff like what, what if anything can they do here
2: yeah we're just trying to social distance and wash our hands and again wear masks when we're inside and and just try and do the things that kind of kept us successful. But again, ultimately, uh, you know, we're just under the guidance of uh, AHS and, and you know, we're playing interprovincially, so each province has a little bit of a different mandate and, and we don't control that. We just have to kind of follow the rules.
0: Okay. Well, Darcy, thanks for hopping on in the middle of practice. I look forward <laughs> to talking about actual football here as you roll into the season. Uh, so your first game is, what, the 22nd, and the home opener is the twenty. 20- Eighth? eighth yeah okay that, that's correct yeah we're we're excited and uh, again we thank you for your support right on all the best at emerald hills there as well that's darcy park head coach of the edmonton uh, wildcats so they're going to be playing their home games in sherwood park at emerald hills park that was announced this morning so good facility for them and glad to have the prairie junior football conference back got a text here uh hi reed i can't find spike the elk on the elks website where are the pics of him I think if you have Instagram or Twitter, check out those accounts. Uh, I saw some earlier today. I think it was on Instagram. If you use those apps, I don't know. I don't want to assume that everybody does, but that is where you can find pictures of spike the uh elk i'm surprised they don't have anything on the website but i guess they uh, i guess spike has not gone online quite yet but check them on social media oh there's music well there i gotta go they're kicking me out well except i'm at home so i just gotta go upstairs <laughs> really appreciate you tuning in tonight you heard from darcy park sean fitzgerald blake dermot and jack michaels really appreciate everybody who chimed in and I will spend the next 22 hours coming up with a more appropriate golf trivia question for tomorrow. When we give away once again, four passes to Edmonton Springs golf that will not stump people and make them unhappy. My goal is happiness for tomorrow. Dave Campbell's the producer of inside sports, Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Have a great night.